This episode is brought to you by Factor Meals. It certainly is because eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. If you're somebody like me who cannot cook to save their little lives, it's a game changer. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in, wait for it, just two minutes. Plus, you'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You can pick from two minute meals where you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. With pancakes, smoothies, and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And Factor Meals are ready to heat and eat. They're ready. There's no prepping. There's no cooking. There's no chopping up veggies. None of that stuff. If you're like me and you're busy, whack on a podcast, whack these in, and they're ready to go. Nothing for you to do. No cleanup either. And the great thing is it's flexible for your schedule. So you can get as much or as little as you need when choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime if anything changes. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. So sign up and save. Factor is less expensive than takeaway and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So head to factormeals.com slash TWTW50 and use code TWTW50 to get 50% off. That's code TWTW50 at factormeals.com slash TWTW50 to get 50% off. Hello, I'm Grongy Maguire and this is Chantelle Fiducian and Pate. Hello. bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the, the way, way they were. Hi Chantelle. Hello Grania, <laughs> how are you? You're gonna, I've just realised I always, I always start the introduction. Do you think that's a, it's a power move? The, well, yeah, the, the, if you if you remember, the, I think the one time I started it was when you weren't here. Yeah. And I don't think anyone listened to that episode because <laughs> no one knew what was going on because they just didn't hear your voice. Your voice is key to this, so don't worry. I forgot to tell you, we got the biggest compliment in the whole world. Um, <gasps> we? Yeah, we Ooh. did. The pod got okay. the biggest compliment. A TV show that I work on, uh, no big deal, just very glamorous. Kish, who's like the makeup lady to... There's the world of the stars. Of the star, the world of the stars. <laughs> the, okay. of the, stars. the galaxy. All right. She loves our podcast. Now I'm questioning now whether she really does love it. She said she loves it. <laughs> and this is the makeup team on any film set or any TV show are always the coolest people. 
It's very true. It's very true. I go out with the son of a makeup artist and she is very, very, very cool. So I can I can second that. I actually didn't tell you some news about <gasps> some fans of our podcast because speaking of my beloved, he works with uh, younger people, hip kids, 19, 20, 22 year olds, etc. It's very cool. And he was casually talking to one of them. It was like their first day working there. And he'd been there for a while. And he was showing them around how to do stuff. And he was asking them. They were just talking about life and what do you do. And he was, oh, I live with my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And at some point, he mentioned, maybe it was on the day that we record. I don't know. At some point, he mentioned the podcast. And she said, oh, what podcast is it? And he told her. And she said, oh, my God, yeah, I listened to that. She knew it. She just knew it. She's like a 20-year-old girl. And she and oh she just went, oh, yeah, I know that. That's really good. The one about the celebrity couple. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. Oh, my God, is it her? That's, she the American one. Like, she knew. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. Okay, so this is a question I'm putting out just to all the young, just to all the young people. For you. <laughs> all the young folks. I feel like Pope John Paul, when he made his address to the young people of Ireland, but this is to all the young people of the world, can you please do me a favour and just message it and tell me what jeans are in fashion? That's all I need to know. Because we're in a very liberal space gene-wise and it makes me anxious. So if we are popular with young people, just please, just let me know. what Help what her she, out. Help, help her help out. Help an please. old gal out. There's at least, there's got to be at least a handful of you. Please just get together. Start a TikTok live stream or some shit. Get together, work out what the what the best style is and let us know. Don't fuck with us and say hip huggers or some shit yeah. just to make us buy them again, okay? We're on to your tricks. Well, speaking of cool and trendy people, mm-hmm. our guest this week is Booth. He's he's not only amazing, he's, I think, my favourite Welsh person. And I've never met a Welsh person I didn't get on with. Truzy. It's very hard. I cannot think of a bad Welsh person. You're right. Even my English teacher at um, Brockenhurst College in Hampshire who was kind of a bitch, was always really cool to me. So, yeah, I think me and the Welsh, we get on. He's, and it's not just because he's Welsh, because we've established it's a high benchmark. So if you're the nicest Welsh person, that is, is praise indeed for our incredible guest, the fantastic Gareth Gwynn. The, the way, way they were. Hi, Gareth. Hello. Hi, Gareth. Thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Are you? Yeah, I am. I am. I'm, you... I'm, I've been really cagey because I know what I'm like and I'm going to accidentally give something away. So I'm, I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm trying to speak a very short staccato sentences because I know I like I'll just accidentally say, just in passing for no reason. I'll <laughs> the name will just pop out of your mouth without thinking. Yeah. And you know what? I've got the biography of one of the people in my eyeline and it's, oh it's annoying God. me. Oh my God. You're really giving yourself a challenge. Such, I'm literally going like, to put something over it because I'm going to say the name. Oh Do you think Chantel is so. like your man from Nights Out? that she'll be able to, like, read it in your glasses. <laughs> yeah, that's my fear. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm keeping everything very staccato because I'm going to say something I regret. Well, I'm glad you take it seriously, so yeah. I appreciate that. It's that discipline. It's that discipline and exactly. commitment to the format, Gareth, that's got you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited because... Um, uh, no, do you know what? I'm I'm really scared of saying something. I'm okay. going to say what I like about the show, it, and then I nearly just get went. To it. Let's just because this is why. Talk. Yeah, right. Let's just Things get to it. it. Go on, Grainne. Before Grania. we de- well, before we go deep, and I don't. It would be strange if the couple did come up. Um, <laughs> Gareth, would you would you consider yourself a romantic person? Um, 
No one can say yes to that question. <laughs> People in all say of, because yes. The, because the moment you say yes to that question, I feel like you're writing a cheque yeah. that, you, that, that you will one day struggle to cash. And True. so I think, yeah, because the moment... Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm going to say no and then have everything be a lovely surprise <laughs> rather than say yes and just like oh well no that's clearly not true I think I think you can only answer it tactically. You've Speaking of your... romance tactics, <laughs> I think you have answered it pretty correctly. <laughs> You've been with your partner for a long time, so you yes. must be doing something right. Yes, yes. Oh, that's good. Thank you. That's that's a good. That's a vote of confidence. Yeah, he's been tactical, Grinder. He's been through yes. this. This is only romance. He's got she's, spreadsheets. She's in the room next door, and she's eating a sandwich she's bought from the way home because she didn't want the microwave to go ping during this. Oh. So that's how. So that's the commitment. She's got to this podcast. That's right. And I and I hope to equal it during the show. In fact, her plan was to try and go to the cinema, so she didn't wasn't in the house while this happened. See, that's nice. And is that yes. Yes. Well that you haven't yeah. to ask. I think when one person just thinks of a nice thing to do to help out another person, that's yeah. that's pretty romantic. Yeah. And when that nice thing is staying away from the house. Go <laughs> <laughs> to this movie by yourself. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's yes, okay. There we are. I'll, I'll take that. I, I seem to be coming very well out of this, um, so I'm fine with it. Well, so you picked uh, an incredible couple, and okay. um, I, I'm hope I'm not giving it such way as a as the voice of Wales, a very English couple. Okay, yeah, they are. In- yeah, uh, yeah, very- that's true. A very English couple. So Chantelle, I can tell you that Garrett's couple got together in the gorgeous year. Of 1947. Okay. Picture the scene. Aliens are spotted in Roswell. India and Pakistan get independence from the UK. And Miracle on 34th Street is released into the cinema. But that's not the only magic that happened. Because this couple found each other. But don't panic. This romantic carry-on was probably doomed from the start. Oh, no. This is some British couple I've definitely never heard of. (laughs) This is a carry-on one. Okay. (laughs) Okay, the only person from carry-on films I know is Barbara Windsor. Is one of these people Barbara Windsor? I'm no, out. I don't although, know who it is. Although I tell <laughs> no you what, that is. would be pretty good as an episode as well. Write that down. Just that Babs would be worth, Yeah, that Just would be worth doing. Just the life and love of Babs. <laughs> That's the only. Pr- I'd I, I recognise that one guy with the nose, but <laughs> I don't know. Who I don't carry on. Is not that I carry on did not carry over the Atlantic to America. That is a purely of these Isles. So I'm afraid I know I'm have to forfeit immediately. I don't know who these people are. I don't think. Do I? Do you think I even know who they are? I think you're probably aware of them. I okay. Think when we say the couple, probably images will pop into your head. <laughs> okay. Or I'll just Google them really fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell me. Get rid of my misery. Tell me. Gareth, me out. do you want to let her know you're coupled? Tonight, I want to discuss the perplexing relationship of Hattie Jakes and John Nemesia. Never heard of my whole life. Get oh, away. right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no um, idea who people are. Oh, then this, then this is this is going to be great. This, this is going to be great. I'm like, I am like the um, listeners at home. I'm learning along with everyone else. Well, if are you familiar with the sitcom Dad's Army? Yes. So you know how that's the sitcom that in Britain, when we don't know what to put on the telly, yeah, we just put on Dad's Army. Yeah, it's, it's always crazy. that's episode. the one you choose, but yeah, yeah, and there's always episodes there. So John mm. Amesia is the tall, thin one. Yep, who's no, very mean. calm and posh. Yep, and is the second in command. 
and uh, just sort of like floats around being yep, terribly polite. Yeah. So that's the gentleman that we're going to be discussing. Got you. I'm down. Uh, I get it. And Hattie Jakes is a British comedy actress who, or actor whose most of her career was spent playing matrons in hospitals. Okay, well, that and was a big thing in the 1940s. Huge thing. And <laughs> that she, was a and massive to, thing. To the point that even well into the 21st century in like press releases they still refer to Hattie Jake's like characters oh, amazing. like she okay. she has absolutely defined a certain type of like in in the films the the, the phrase that would use, be used was battle axe that would Great be the, uh, the sort you. of character but and this is why can I just talk about how great Hattie Jakes is for like uh, a while? Just a bit, I, yeah. I don't think we talk about what a brilliant comic actor Hattie Jakes is. I'm looking her up while is. you're talking. I want to see her So face. Hattie Jakes, the reason I think Hattie Jakes is brilliant is she does that thing. And I was trying to think of other comedians who've done this. Okay. And weirdly, the only one I can think of to the same extent or to oh, a similar okay. extent is, um, you know how Lenny Henry became, like, famous on the working men's club circuit uh-huh. and then absolutely became a pillar of the 1980s yeah. alternative comedy scene? Hattie Jakes managed to do the same thing in that she appears at the very end of the very, like, wartime radio shows. So she's part of a show called Itmar, uh, which was huge during the Second World War, and it's famous. It has had listening figures you can only imagine. Everyone listened to it. It was full of catchphrases. And if you try and listen to it now, Itmar is baffling. It makes no sense. <laughs> it's full of catchphrases. It's all people saying things like, can I do you now, sir? And things like that. It's just... <laughs> so Hattie Jakes comes in as a young actor right at the end of that show. And she sort of, like, makes her name in with that generation of comics. But she becomes a major player in the next generation of comedians with people like Eric Sykes, Tony Hancock, Mm -hmm. uh, when Galton and Simpson are around, and all those, like, really major comedy programmes that absolutely define what comedy sounds and looks like today. Yeah. She is in all those programmes. That's uh, she's She's brilliant. And the other thing is... If you watch those, or particularly listen to those comedy programmes, a lot of that era, things like Hancock's Half Hour is the best example. Hancock's Half Hour, I think, is the best sitcom. I think it is superb. But there is no doubt that before Hattie Jakes comes on the scene, they do not know how to write female characters. Okay. They are, they just don't know what they're doing. And in series four, Hattie Jakes comes in as Hancock's secretary and everything clicks. And it's really clear that they're like, got it. This is someone who can fit with this gang of men, and it all were, and it's it's brilliant. There is the other part of her career which is quite interesting about how, as a larger lady, she was absolutely typecast as a certain sort of role. Yeah, and that became the battle axe, the matron, etc. Yeah. yeah, and that sort of thing. And it's really interesting how much she would and wouldn't play into that through her career. And it's interesting that her best television role where she played Eric Sykes's sister in the sitcom Sykes, they never mention her size at all. And even though the main joke is the fact that she is big and Eric Sykes is stick thin oh, and they're see. meant right, to be okay. twins, but they never refer to the idea that this is part of it at all. And that was her best television. And then she was in the Carry On films and they ran, ran, ran. And she's great. I'm a big fan. I can and, tell. Yeah. I just think she's someone who, I don't know. Well, I mean, you don't need to explain why John Mez is good because they play Dad's Army all the time. But I think there's a fear of Hattie Jake's, like, people forgetting how good she was. 
Yeah, it's a bit like... Not on your watch. It's it's kind of like how Mallory Monroe was so good at playing those ditzy comedy parts that then they don't... She'd just be... People just think she was a ditzy idiot and not an incredibly talented comedy actress who is able to to do that on screen. Is Hattie Jakes Marilyn Monroe of England? Is that what we're saying? Are we doing it? Are we going there? I think we say that now. I think we just do I'm happy to go along with it. There's no one else in line if you ask me. (laughs) Okay, well, before we go any further, uh, it would be remiss before I did the science part and addressed what about their star signs. So, Hattie Jakes, 7th of February, she's an Aquarius queen. John (laughs) Lemessier, 5th of April, Aries. So, Gareth, put your science hat on. Get your little mathematical calculator out. Tell me, just from their star signs, what likelihood did a match like this have of ever working? What do you think? See, this is hard because I respect maths and I don't understand star signs. So this is very (laughs) difficult. I've got a a lot of respect for percentages. I'm going to say 60%. 60%. Okay, interesting. Nice nice round. Okay. Um, Let's see. Aquarius and Aries are very close together, Aquarius, isn't they? They're like one after another. They're very close. So isn't Aries like March, April? So I'm going to go, I'm going to say their their birthdays are too close. So I'm going to say 15% (laughs) because no one wants birthdays that close. Well, according to their celestial charts, Aries, that's John, needs to be relaxed by their significant other so they can melt down and show their true, warm and emotional nature. So with Aquarius, Hattie, changing direction as the wind and their ever-changing nature, Aries, John, can find themselves truly unhappy for what they really want is someone to share everything with, only not just when the wind carries them. There's Aquarius. too much wind talking that I've lost complete track of what you're saying. But I'm, I'm really think, enjoying it. I think it's like, it's a lot I think it's like Aquarius <laughs> is quite flighty. This is this is what I'm getting Aquarius quite flighty. John needs somebody Stable. who's a bit more reliable. Mm-hmm. Aquarius Hattie has crazy ideas and widens the horizons of Aries John. But this. <laughs> Can be fun at the beginning, but after a while it can get tiresome if there's not enough ideas to cover the emotional emptiness they both encounter. Yikes. I think whoever I mean, wrote this was lost at sea. All the horizon, <laughs> wind, emotional emptiness. Yeah. Also, I, I know the story that's coming and I'm like, yeah, this, this, this clocks. I, I hold no stock in... I, know, I hold no stock in this stuff, but I tell you what, you might have convinced me. <laughs> Even a broken clock twice yeah. a day. <laughs> so, Gareth, even creepier, their compatibility, 68%. Oh, well, so there close. We go. There Maybe you're go. an astrologer. Okay. Maybe you're an astrologer. Who knew? Oh, yeah, I always worried that there might be a skill I'm good at I've never tried. There you so go. Finally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's have a quick look at their emotional CV before they met each other. So, mm-hmm. Hattie, her mother was a stage actress. Her dad was a really, really handsome RAF pilot who died tragically when she was really young. Is it written down that he's really handsome? Or you I just saw, saw pictures picture. and you're I like, saw oh my God. I like the detail. Hmm. <laughs> it needs to be now. It's an important part of her childhood that her dad was a hottie. <laughs> her dad was canonically cute okay <laughs> that's a fact that's it 
she moved in with her mother's side of the family because obviously her, her dad had passed away and they lived above a pawnbroker's in West London and although she had like a really supportive really really happy childhood there was certain issues that so we'll see later on in her life she'll come back to and come back to and that she from a young age she was really bullied about her size she was always bigger than the other kids and very self-conscious but she's really outgoing she was really wanted to be a performer during the war she worked briefly as a welder cool Mm -hmm. bit of excitement (laughs) Uh, then she dreamed to be a nurse and then she had this really passionate affair with an american gi while he was stationed in london and then when the war was over he went back to his family in america and how did she deal with this See, I know this. this. Oh yeah, Garrett, go for it. How did she deal with the fact that she was ghosted by her GI lover? She told everyone that he'd died in the war. Oh, clever clogs. I mean, you've been gifted a war. Like, let's let's use this to our advantage. You've been gifted a war and communication is pretty basic back then. So you can really get away with anything. Yeah. Oh, genius stuff. I wonder how it finally came out that that, like, how do we know the truth now is what I mean. You know what I mean? How did we work out that that was a lie? Well, I, in in her biography, which I've read, there's a bit where they explain that while they were going out, she <laughs> knew that this chap was married and had sure. a kid. But the, but the, he was like, I don't, I don't think it's going to last. And throughout the relationship, he was like, we, we can, we can make this work. But after the war, he went back to America. And then the chap who did the biography did a bit of digging and found out that he did leave his wife but married another American woman and lived in America until the 80s. Oh, okay. And, yeah. So but just this biographer just did the legwork for the, us, The biographer basically. did the leg. He had so enough information. So she never admitted to it herself. No, and she told her friends. And I think... She even told her friends slightly different story. Like oh, I don't think I don't Hattie. think all the stories quite check Hattie, out. Amateur mistake, Hattie. You got to pick one story and stick to it. Yeah, no, I don't think she does. I think there's I think there's a, a variety of stories going around her friends. <laughs> and some of them, he's a hero, and some of them, he was a bastard. Who knows yeah. <laughs> the way he died? But in very all of them, he's dead. In <laughs> <laughs> all of them, he does die. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I would one hundred percent do that if I was dumped by some guy during war war too i'll be like yeah i'll be like yeah he's dead blue yeah, yeah. totally 100 percent. yeah <laughs> you don't know my boyfriend he died in a different country <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so little john the Mezier, so he grew up mm. he came from a quite a very stable affluent family he went to school with alan turing of, oh, mm, of Turing, <laughs> I think he invented <laughs> computers. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Essentially, yeah, he was the he's the one who um, Ben Zikumbach played in. That's um, right. The in the film about Alan Turing. Yeah, that one. Enigma. He cracked the enigma. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. it. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good for him. well done, Alan. So uh, then he he really wanted to be an actor. So he he started acting after the. Well, no, actually, before the war, he was acting. He was in a play directed by a beautiful young actress called June Melville, whose father owned loads of theatres. They began their romance and they were married in April 1940. Then John was sent into the army. World War II breaks out. But then when he comes back in 1946, he sadly discovered his wife had developed a huge drinking problem. Well, that happens when your husband's at war. Yeah, you turn to the mother's ruin. Come on. Can you blame her? I think um, from 
you know, it's so funny when we think, when we think of like this period, I always think of like, good night, sweetheart, and everything's sort of like, ooh, okay, ooh, little tea dresses. And it just seems from reading this, they were all like, fucked on drugs alcoholics <laughs> shagging each other this is the episode oh. in which Grania finds out the war was tough <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I thought it was a bit of a laugh but as well like everything I've ever read about John and Mercy is wartime exploits he's always like well I had a very good war I got stationed to India and uh, it was like he, he seems to just breeze through the war <laughs> like he sort of he, like, he very much sounds like Sergeant Wilson in Dad's Army of just like oh it was I was very lucky, really, with my war. And then when you read about Hattie Jakes, she's, like, welding. And at one point, she delivered a baby in rubble, like, around the ruins of a phone box. Yes, and you're yes. like, oh, Hattie Jakes, who lived in, like, Hammersmith, had a much rougher time. It's always worse war. for the ones left at home. I will yeah. live and die on that hill. <laughs> so, after the war, Hattie is performing in the... The arts club. That's it. She's performing in the arts club. Mm-hmm. They do this show every night. She is. This is her big break into showbiz, and she becomes like the big, like leading lady of this variety night. Mm-hmm. Jean Le Messier. So oh. Jean Le Messier. You have to imagine all the time he's like drinking a gin and tonic and mm. smoking a cigarette and just being awfully dashing, but not really, really trying. Yeah. So every, everything I say about John Lemessier, you have to just imagine. I'm like, oh, darling, how terribly kind. Yeah, it's all that the whole time. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Okay, so he goes into the players' bar and he sees Hattie on stage. Okay. It's the first time he meets her. He sees her on stage. This is how he describes it in his memoir. One of the leading lights was a remarkable girl called Hattie Jakes. She was bright and witty and vivacious and an entertainer to her fingertips. On that first evening, I was quickly caught up with Hattie's ebullient good humour and sense of anarchic fun. Nice, I like it. So you wanted to check her. <laughs> oh, I, I, he was a big fan. But, but from what I can gather, so this show that she's in, this sounds nuts as well. So she's in a show that runs seemingly like every night. And, and from what I can gather in Hattie Jake's career, if ever she wasn't working, she just went back there to do this same show. Oh, and it's one of them, like, okay. And it's like a variety <laughs> show that they do every night but it is themed as though it's like 1850 and so all the songs are 1850s in style and everyone dresses 1850s style like on stage and it was so popular they turned it into a tv show which you can find on youtube and is baffling is she's in it no, she moves on. Although there are some big names in it, like Les Dawson's definitely in it, and people like that. Really? But they do it all as though it's like the eighteen mid eighteen hundreds. It's really weird, but sounds like Hattie knew what she was doing. And Everyone talks about how good she was. And apparently, she's get annoyed if people wore like jewelry that wasn't period correct. <laughs> She'd be like, "Take that off." They didn't have that stuff. In the matters. 1850s. Well done. Those details matter. We've all seen the digital clocks and or the was it the digital watch and Ben Hur or whatever all that crap. Yeah, well, it's a bit much, yeah. but you know what I mean. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, so John Lemessier is very impressed. And he's so impressed, he does something that he has never done before. To the shock of all his friends, he makes the first move with a woman. At this moment, am I right in saying they're both single? Well, no. Okay. Uh, John Lemessier is still married. He's still with the, the old glamour puss from before. Okay. Yes. So apparently his friends were like, he, women always were just drawn to John. And he just would be like, oh, how terribly nice of you. He never, <laughs> he never did anything. And he was like, oh my God, I really fancy this woman. So he went up to her, asked for a drink. And she replied by saying, no, I'm not thirsty. Oh, she took it quite literally. So she <laughs> yeah. wasn't impressed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> then apparently they had their first, well, not apparently, they had their first date. And it's Hattie, John, then Hattie's gay best friend, Great. and John's wife. What a gang. Oh, golly. What a gang. Okay. <laughs> wow, what a crew. <laughs> so John and Joan Lemessier and um, Hattie's best friend, Bruce. And apparently the four of them went out dancing and John Lemessier and Hashi just ignore the other two, just are completely obsessed with each other, spend the whole night dancing nose to nose with each other. And apparently Joan, John's wife, said yep. to Hashi's gay best friend, come on, let's leave them to it. Oh, And okay. because her family used to own the theatre that the nightclub was in, her and Hashi's gay best friend just did like a little tour of the theatre. Oh, so she took it pretty well. She didn't seem to mind. She's she like, oh, there'll be, there'll be another John around. Don't worry. Sounds she... like the writing was on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so he really likes her. But before she can commit to him, there's one thing she has to see. A divorce settlement? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Something much more important than that for Hattie. First of all, she has to see John act in a play. Oh, oh, right. She yeah. needs to know, am I getting a real talent here? Yeah, she's like, or is he just some looker? I can't respect. She goes to see him in a play and she's like, ah, yeah, he is good. So then they start properly seeing each yeah. other. Right. So we're in. Okay. So and then so apparently they, they practically move in together, even while John is still married to poor Joan. Uh, details. Because <laughs> everybody says John is just incapable of looking after himself. He's just like a disaster. Oh, God, man. Yeah, I, 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 everything I've read about John Amesia, he does sound like someone who is just drifting around while other people either hand oh. him a drink or take an empty glass just from him. Just one of those guys that everything is done for. Why would he bother learning if everyone keeps doing it? It's everyone else's fault for enabling him. I think, <laughs> I think I that say. was his... his it's, I don't know if it's if this is the stage that, that, that it'll be at, but I get the impression that... Hattie Jake's career-wise was probably doing better than John Lemessier was doing at this point. Okay. When they met, I think. Is that fair? So we'll get to... So basically, she was really famous on the radio and mm. then she was getting loads of TV and loads of film work. In the, I think at one stage, she had like a slight gap in her diary. So her agent just wrote a letter to the BBC saying, yeah, Hattie's free in a month. 
So let's have a talk about like what TV shows she should be oh in. Oh my god! Imagine, <laughs> jeez, Louise. That's the system. That's oh the god. yeah. But apparently, John doesn't seem to have been threatened by that in any way, and he seems very because he, he's such a fan of hers. He's not. Mm. He, he seems, you know, he's a jobbing actor. He's aware he's a jobbing actor, and he seems very happy that she's doing so well. So that never seems to have come up as a problem in their relationship. Good to hear. Yeah. So he finally gets his divorce from Joan. And at the time, Joan was such a little, little hot mess that Hattie's best friend had to kind of chaperone her on the day so she wouldn't get too drunk, that she wouldn't be able to give testimony in the divorce case. Oh, it, and that's the chap from before, the one who was there on the yeah, on yeah. the date. Right, the tour. They put a lot of stuff on on um, on this man, don't <laughs> he they? He really was best friend. Yeah, he's really he's really there everywhere. And and I'm I'm aware who this guy was. Is his name Bruce? Bruce Cop. Bruce. Yeah, he's he's Hattie's best friend, but I think also PA. I can't quite tell. He sounds he's like it. Yeah, like, always at the background, going like, "I will deal with this problem." <laughs> Ex-wife, let me look after. <laughs> Hashi genuinely just seems to have like a a squad of gay men fighting for her attention all her life. That yeah. just seems Hashi's life. Yeah, I've I've realised this with everything I've ever read about her. She's got this like gang, and there's what so there's this guy Bruce. He seems really nice, and everything about Bruce seems great. And there's another guy, I forget his name, but in one book I read, they kept defining him by the fact he's the one with the bad wig. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's just she's got a friend whose distinguishing characteristic is he can't bend his head, otherwise his wig will fall off. So it's it's quite carry on in style, like her just like life that she with what this a life. like I'm into it. Yeah, with this gang of men around her, one of whom whose wig keeps getting blown away. What a life! Oh, I Look, love the fifties. London in the fifties was a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. Then they'd have us believe. So he finally gets his divorce from Joan and she sent him a telegram when the divorce was finalised saying, the cage is open, darling. You can fly away now. Oh, but but with all those annoying stops they put in telegrams. Yeah. The cage is open, darling. Stop. You can fly away now. Stop. So it's a lot like less now. poetic. Women yeah. love John LeMessier, basically. Like even, even the exes. Even the exes. They wish him well. He just can't do wrong. So within a week of John being legally single, Hashi proposes. Oh, wow. I think that's within the a first. Week. This is the first girl proposal we've and, had. Is and this is, that we know and, of. And this is how John <laughs> describes it in his memoir. One day, Hattie and I were shopping in Earl's Court. Then she turned to me and said, don't you think it's about time we got married? I respond weakly on the lines that I was more than content with our present situation. I was, of course, conscious of the failure of my marriage to June. But there's no arguing with a determined woman. That was it. They're getting and married. And that was it. Done. That was it. <laughs> also, I love the fact as well, in, in in this story, everything takes place around Earl's Court. <laughs> like, this is this is where they live. And it, if you live, if you know London, it's such a weird area It's now, a really Earl's weird Court. area, Earl's Court. <laughs> it's it's where you can get off a National Express if you want to these yep. days. Like, yeah, it, it always stops there. You're right, yeah. when we get them back, it always stops there. Yeah, it's really expensive houses and a National Express stop. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, there's Earl's nothing Court. else going days. on there you must pay through the I, I can't even imagine how much it must cost to live there and for what just to be in earl's court like be central london's changed so much and like the bits of london have changed so much but the idea that two actors 
could be living in these like enormous townhouses yeah. in those courts and things like that. I mean, don't, people live in those places now, but often but not because, jobbing actors. But, but it's amazing, and they they live a great life. And Earl's Court's got like things you'd want other than just a KFC. What a life! <laughs> Well, Crackers. these two are having the best time. So they're married. It. They quickly have two sons. But it's Hattie. She is working nonstop. She is working, working, working. And John continues to be useless. In the best oh, possible way, perfect. useless. She So she describes the time when she was in hospital. And John came in. And she's like, darling, are you able to go after yourself? And he was like, oh, you know, I do. I do one's best. And she said, why don't you just like crack, make some eggs. So crack them in a bowl. And then put them on the hob and then you've got scrambled eggs. And he went, oh, yeah, darling, I did that. But the thing is, uh, the bowl just cracked. Oh, he put the bowl on the hob. This man was sent to a war. Like this is like no wonder he had a good time at war. It's like Forrest Gump. Did I give anything to do? You would he just think, hang around. But you he would think so... at some point in the, in the four years he spent in the military, they might show him how to cook an egg. It's Blink incredible. An egg. He does seem like willfully muddled all the time. So apparently he would go missing for hours or for days, and then when he just showed up, he'd say things like, "Oh, you know, time goes so quickly when you can't see daylight." <laughs> Was he just having endless affairs, but just kind of charming his way out of them? I think he just went to Ronnie Scott's and just, just sat and watched there. jazz between jobs. That's from what I get. Yeah. He just loved jazz music and smoking and drinking, yeah. but and just like and as well, he he became mates with Tony Hancock in this time as well. Yeah. And I think they just used to love hanging around Soho, drinking. Yeah, it's it, there's a lot there's a lot of just oh, it sounds great. Just letting time that. drift by and not worrying about your wife and two kids. <laughs> Apparently, and I, by all accounts, he was completely faithful. He was not like a ladies' man at all. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, he did, however, once get infatuated with a Greek actress, and then when he saw her in daylight, discovered she had a moustache and a dodgy eye. Oh, okay. And then she w- he went home and he told Hashi about it. And her response was to laugh and say, you really shouldn't be allowed out on your own. I think this could... That, who does that reflect well on, that story? Let's, let's pick this <laughs> <Yeah>. up. Hattie <laughs> um, seemed to take that story very well. I think it was. A, I think it really speaks that she was not in any way worried that no. any of his yeah. little... You know, crushes, crushes would lead to anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she felt pretty. She felt pretty secure, which means there must be something rocky coming on the horizon. Because yeah. whenever they get too comfortable, before we get to that, I think this is really Hattie and John at their heights. So they're living in glamorous Earl's Court. <laughs> they're having all these incredible house parties. Apparently, like people, all the carry on people. Tony Hancock, just their house was party centre all the time. There's always people staying. It was always fabulous parties all the time. People smoking weed, doing drugs, having a great time. So I think this is the moment where, bring, bring, bring. Oh, hello. It's our time machine phone. Gareth. Hello. It is Hattie and John on the phone. They're wondering, darling, I mean, only if I wouldn't be a total baller, <laughs> would you like to, to pop around and see me and Hattie for dinner, if you wouldn't mind? It'd be quite nice. Yes, please. Okay. I will be on that tube in no time. <laughs> and I will bring imagine? my autograph book. <laughs> <laughs> what do you imagine a night out with Hattie and John looking like? 
I think, well, I think that if it was Hattie's decision, I think you'd go to their house, wouldn't you? Because my impression is that Hattie liked, like, hosting parties in the house. Mm-hmm. She'd have, like, from what, like, Christmas, everyone would come round and, like, you'd have Kenneth Williams round for Christmas Day and things like that. They, like, everyone would be there. They also had a flat in the top of the house and they'd always have a lodger oh, wow. there. Yeah, and so, and they just had a lodger there. I don't think they needed the money. They just liked having some having friends living there. Yeah. So I think one of Hattie, I think that Bruce Chapel we were talking about earlier, I think he lived there for a bit. Yeah. So I think you would get there and the party would be in full swing. And John Lemezier would offer you a drink immediately yeah. before you'd taken your coat off. <laughs> and then in the kitchen, from everything I can glean, um, Hattie Jakes would be trying to cook something too ambitious for the scenario. Okay. And she would be chain smoking. Yeah. And the ash would be like flying into the food. Fantastic. So I think that would be it. And then you would have, yeah, you'd have Kenneth Williams, Joan Sims would be there, Tony Hancock would be there probably, all these sort of characters. Would, and... would they have one of those, um, one of those like made out of like dark, dark wood chestnut like bars in the house, in the living room? Oh. And you'd go there and like a globe that has all the, all the booze in it, you know? And then they'd pour you like, a, it, all, everything's decanted, you know, nothing's <laughs> like branded, everything's decanted, it's all the whiskeys and the gins are all like in crystal decanters, that kind of vibe. I it's like free pouring would. stuff out. Do you know what's weird about this? Is the, it's not the, going to be tins of beer, is it? It's That's not tins. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not tins of beer. And, and the other thing is, is that your glass will never be empty. Never be empty. Like they, you, John Mesmer will be topping up your glass. And it's going to be straight all whiskey. All times. Yeah. yeah. What's weird is that because they turned this story that we're about to hear into a film, there's a lot of like recreated footage of these parties and these Christmases and things like that which means that when I think about it I've got this really specific picture in my head of exactly like how busy and it's a lot of like big dinners seem to be what's going on lots of Sunday dinners that like boozy Sunday dinners that go on well into Monday oh yeah like a billion bottles of red come out I think there's a lot of that sort of thing going on yeah, and uh, and then what happens is you all have a lovely time, and then Kenneth Williams goes home and calls you an arsehole in his diary. That's basically how all things in the 50s and 60s went. You have a lovely time, and then Kenneth Williams writes, Gareth Gwynn was there and I hate him. And then that's, that's published in 1988. That's how you know you've made it. What a night. So, fabulous times, sunny days, but storm clouds are coming. because oh, here we go. In uh, So we come to the year of 1962. Hattie is doing really well career-wise, but she is st- she. it's like the press never gave her any respect. And it was... So here are some of the headlines from that period about Hattie Jakes. Here, as an example. A fat girl has fun. Hattie's <laughs> weight keeps us laughing. Television's favourite fat girl. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty one note. It is pretty (laughs) one note, and she knew it is the thing. And she, because there's a point where she sort of she asks Galton Simpson in Hancock's Half Hour to stop doing fat jokes about her and things like that. But it's there's every article about her totally mentions that, and they always say she's brilliant, and they always say she's great. But yeah, they it seems like whoever's writing the headlines cannot not mention it. 
It's so, so it, weird. It's relent- she's one of the best actresses, one of the best comedy performers of her generation, yet her weight is brought up in every single mention of her all the time. So she's very self-conscious about that. She's always been self-conscious about it. John's career is taking off, so he's now at home less. And he was always kind of quite like dividend quite shy and has she's like this big sexy confident woman so that was good that was i i sense that was always kind of going to cause problems if somebody came along who would give hattie the attention that she deserved and in 1962 somebody did so hattie is doing loads of work at this period for different charity organizations she's also doing loads of work in uh, specifically for cancer charity and there was always this really old guy who would drive her everywhere because he volunteered for the charity then one time she gets a new driver and he is John Schofield. Okay, the fact that we know his name. Okay. <laughs> so John, I feel John's, like I, I feel this is a very important character in this story. All right. So John Schofield is much younger than Hattie. Uh-oh. He's separated. Okay, he's available. And he is a very, a very good looking boy. Wow. Okay. Very good looking. So John Lemessier described him as a fast talking cockney. Barbara Windsor described him as stunning, a gorgeous piece of crumpet. Oh, well, I say. Barbara Windsor there, tr- true to type. Just like, he, it's like she went, can someone in the carry-on films please write this line for yeah, me? Yeah, exactly. So I can t- describe him. I knew yeah. she'd be coming in eventually, so I'm glad e- she came in full throttle. Everyone says what a good-looking boy John Schofield was. Okay, I'm Everyone does. Is it Joe Schofield? Uh, John, John, John Schofield. John Schofield. I don't know if there's any photos of him or many photos of him because he How wasn't can a celebrity. Be as far as if he was that, okay, he was that all good you looking. need to know is he was played by Aidan... What's his name? Okay, I think I found pictures and... I think maybe you know it was it was a different time. <laughs> Are you looking? You a might lot because of men he was had okay. At war. Okay, he was played by Aidan Turner in the TV film about this situation. Okay, Aidan so, Turner, a little hottie. Anyway, so <laughs> poor John Lemessier is away. He's filming. Hattie has got this gorgeous, hot younger guy who's mad about her, literally it's, driving and her a around. And a cockney fast talker as well. He's, he's charming her, he's, he's charming her. Co- Gift of the gab. And as Gareth uh, mentioned, they always had loads of people living in their house. Some would stay for weeks, some would stay for months. I so got you. John Schofield moves into the house. Of course he does. While what else John is gonna Lemessier go? is away. Of course. And then John comes back and twigs, uh-oh, something might be going on here. He's not staying in the flat upstairs. Well, well this is, this, it's a bit odd. Like, when he first moves in, it's because John Schofield split up with his wife, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. So John's... And it's very much just like, oh, we're just helping out a friend. Is that fair? That's, so this is how John fair. describes it in his book. It was clear to me when I returned from a few weeks on location to find that Schofield was well on his way to acting the part of a surrogate father. Hattie tried to make light of the latest change to our domestic routine. After all, we ran an open house with friends popping in unannounced and not infrequently staying for days or weeks on an end. I could have walked out with ever my failings. I loved Hattie and the children and I was certain, I had to be certain, that we could repair the damage. So he so kind of knew what was going on but he stuck, was like, stuck with it. He was like, something's going on but 
This is where um, this is where him being a bit of a kind of flighty guy, not knowing what's going on, really worked to Harry's advantage. Yeah, <laughs> him I, going it, away for four days and being somewhere dark is perfect. It is amazing that he's just like pops out of film, come back, comes back, finds there's a man living in his house, and he's like, I think something Ooh. might be going on. But I don't want to rock the boat. <laughs> there's a lot going on. There's a lot happening. So we get on the light. Everything's not, all right. Yeah, it's he's he really does roll with the punches, John Lemesia, at this stage. He's still not asking any questions, is he? But as far as I can gather, he's just, we'll see how this pans out. <laughs> he's very <laughs> see much what like, happens okay, here. okay, okay. <laughs> he's given that vibe. But sadly for Hattie, a very awkwardly timed, it's during this precise period that she is surprised by Eamon Andrews with a red book. It's This Is Your Life. Oh, wow. Really? Mm. Was And also, am I right in saying that at this time, this is when This Is Your Life was like one of the biggest things happening in the country, right? Like yeah. It was this enormous show. And just to anyone, to yourselves or anyone at home right now, this episode of This Is Your Life is on iPlayer at all it? times. It's the only episode of This Is Your Life where they're like, well, people are always Googling this one. It is always available. Really? <laughs> it is like they know the one episode of the 1960s This Is Your Life you're going to want to watch <gasps> is this one. Oh and you my can God, watch I know what I'm doing after this. Oh, And it is like... A snapshot in time, because you will know that when you're watching, th- this is going on. Oh. Least, like, while it's happening, you've got both Johns living in the house, and they bring... And all, as well, you see Eric Sykes comes on, and he does a bit, and then everyone's having a lovely time. Sure. And then John Amezia comes on, and John Amezia, he... T- talks about Hattie well first of all he absolutely confesses to being the version of John Lamezia that we've all been describing today in the sense that he's like well she looks after the home and she looks after me (laughs) it's all this sort of stuff but then doesn't he ends his piece with a real zinger okay so remember and you have to remember Hattie at this moment she is like the nation's sweetheart everybody loves her but she's very like she's a maternal figure she's middle England she's not somebody the British public expects to have a younger lover living in her house in a very awkward menage a trois and I'm not saying that in terms of the media and uh, no one knows about this essentially this is all like it's not as if it's in the papers the press or anything no one knows anything okay and it's um, on This Is Your Life. God, the oh stakes God. are high. Oh, my so, God. Okay. On this year, the biggest program, this is like the highlight of her career, Eamon Andrews said to, says to John Lemezier, never a dull moment with Hattie. And John says, I'm internally grateful for the way she runs the house, looking after the children, looking after me. The home comes first, if you don't mind me saying. And then apparently there's a nervous giggle from Hattie and then John goes in with, <gasps> for someone who is so bu- busy and in the public eye, to do all those things, it's a jolly neat trick. Oh, oh. wow. And he's a, like, he is a delightful man, John Lemaitre. Oh. And throughout the whole thing, everything I've ever read, he does seem to take this all in his stride. But the way he phrases jolly neat trick is the most vicious I've ever seen him say anything. <laughs> the word jolly has never been used so aggressively before. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's going, oh, one day in 2023, someone's <laughs> going to be watching this and know what happened. I'll get my moment. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's brutal. It's like, yeah. So then he goes away filming again. He comes back and 
uh, I keep getting my Johns mixed up. John so Schofield, he comes back and <laughs> John Schofield had moved all John Lemessier's stuff into the spare room up in the attic. Oh my God, Liberties, the cheek. Yes. And he had moved into the main bedroom with Hattie. Whoa, that is bold. You turn your back for one middling <laughs> British comedy film. <laughs> <laughs> Come back and find that's what's happened. Yeah, that's, I think, the bit of this story. That's the bit where you go, okay, John, you're doing all right now. You've got a few films. You've got friends in high places. Tony Hancock's got a spare bedroom. Just come on, mate. Come on. Yeah, go. Just. I know. Poor John. He's stuck in the attic upstairs. I can't believe he's in his own home. And John. other new john humping in the bed downstairs so hattie is like shit this is so awkward this is awful what can i do so what she does is her friend bruce gets involved again bruce Bruce needs to be on commission bruce Bruce. is pulling a shift honestly Bruce, bruce works so hard so bruce brings along this single girl that is really, she's just going through a divorce. She's really gorgeous. She's really young. She's 20 years younger than John. And oh he takes her along to the establishment club where he knows John Lemese is going to be. Oh my God. Is there anything more depressing than your ex-wife trying to set you up with a new girl or soon to be ex-wife? Sorry. Your cheating <laughs> wife said, here's one for you. Therefore, it's not that bad. Oh my God. So they're at the establishment club. John clocks her. He doesn't. He doesn't suspect that he's been set up. He's like, oh, God, she's really gorgeous. Because John Amazier doesn't know what's going on. Look at him. He's just walking around life slightly sozzled, trying to not go home at this point in life. (laughs) So apparently it's... So Dudley Moore is there. It's the Dudley Moore trio. Of course Dudley I was going to ask if Dudley Moore was there. Of course Dudley Moore's there. Brilliant. Oh, this is great. Go (laughs) on, carry on. the ivories. He goes, does anybody have any requests? Then this new girl says, oh, I have a request. And she requests this really obscure jazz song. John Lemessier is like, da-doing, who's this? He's classic trick. Well done. She did her research. She knows. That's that's great. Oh, so Dudley Moore is responsible as well as Bruce. Bruce is responsible. Yeah. Dudley Moore's a key player. Great. So Wingman. <laughs> apparently, he goes back to the house, tells Hattie, oh, I saw this really nice girl. Hattie's like, go for it. Invite her around. Like the so, bloody puppet master. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so this new girl who's called Joan, like John's first wife. Bloody hell. Just think of some new names, England. My God. I know. Everyone <laughs> in this is a John or a Joan. It's, it's also worth noting that Hattie's real name was Joe. Um, Are you she was she was a Josephine and everyone oh called her Joe. Oh my god. Jo- but- England, I love you but come on. <laughs> <laughs> open, open a new book. <laughs> so, she goes around to the house. Hashi's like really friendly, really nice to her. So, in order to make sure she's got like enough time in her life to look after John Le Bézier, we've established he's an orchid. Yep. She <laughs> rents an apartment for John and Joan to move into around oh the corner. She she rents a space that Joan can then turn into a shop. So she's got like 
a well-paying job. She doesn't have to work as many hours. She, she was like, she was working as a secretary. This so, is crackers. So Hattie gets her a job. <laughs> then she sets up an account for John Lemessier at different like department stores. So food gets delivered and she okay. makes sure the apartment is furnished. Oh my God. God. I mean, you say Hattie did all that. I'm going to throw it in here. I bet Bruce did some Bruce of it. Bruce did a lot of that. I imagine Bruce, Bruce was the one doing the legwork here Bruce at this point. Bruce definitely did the interior design. We all know that for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is as well, that whenever I've heard about this story about, like, John sorts himself out with this flat, and then they, and then they literally all... Hattie Jakes and the new Joan yeah. and Bruce, they give him like all the details about like, this is how you order food. This is how you cook. This yeah. is how you... <laughs> they set him up. But the other one is, is that they make sure he's got an account with a good wine merchant because they know what he really needs to, to thrive. Yeah, I so, love it. Joan is like, okay, if I'm doing all this, because she, she has a kid from an, another marriage, she's like, we have to get married. So... John Lemessier doesn't want to ruin Hattie Jakes's reputation, so Hattie files for divorce because of John Lemessier's infidelity. And they he lets that happen? Yeah. Uh, this, I wow. think, is the most amazing part of the story. So I why think is this that, is incredible. Can I say quick, like, why is, was there a reason back then, quickly, like, why that'd be better? It why is it better that he cheated than her? Because it would ruin her reputation. She's like, oh, and it wouldn't ruin his, because as a guy, it's okay to yeah. do that, basically. Okay, and cool, he's not, cool, cool, at the gotcha. time, it's not as well well known as Hattie Jakes's. So I got you. Okay. That's he fair says enough, I cheated on her. So then they go in f- with for the divorce proceedings. Hattie has to pretend to be like really mean and horrible to Joan in the courtroom. Well, she's a good and actress. Then, and then apparently <laughs> when she was leaving they winked at each other. And then when the proceedings were finalized, they all went back to Hattie and John, new and old John's house and had a bottle of champagne oh, to celebrate. They just swindled the court system. I love it. it is, I, I think this is the most amazing part with modern eyes to look back on, which is, in that situation, John Lemessier realised that if any part of the true story got out, Hattie Jakes' career would have been ruined like that. Mm-hmm. It would have been over. There would have been no coming back from it. Well, and, and also, that may sound like a selfless romantic act, but really... She's bankrolling his life at this point. So he's actually just thinking business-wise, if she's screwed, <laughs> I lose this business. flight in my wine merchant department stores. I'm not sure how romantic this is. And if Bruce was like, mate, you want to keep her doing well because <laughs> she's paid for all of this. Well, I don't I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know like what his... Because his career was definitely on the up by this yeah, point. Yeah, it wasn't was it? definitely he was he was a, a really respected working all the time actor. He wasn't he wasn't the household name that he would become, but he was he was doing well. I think around this time he'd have been like the maybe a bit better. he'd be like the number two in a lot of British comedy films, like the Punch and Judy Man. He's like Tony Hancock's best friend and things like oh, that. Okay, so okay. he's doing all right. But I think there is absolutely no doubt that he knows he can weather this storm. Mm-hmm. And that he knows that Hattie Jakes will just will not work again yeah. is what it comes down to. And I I do think it's sort of amazing the extent to which they go. This is the only way for us to get out of this situation, despite the fact that to do so they have to say in court this was all started by an affair that John Lemez has had with a woman who at the time all this was happening he had not met. <laughs> like he's met he's met the the new Joan in the last year mm-hmm. and this had been going on for five years so the court clearly weren't really paying attention to any of the details oh, of this great. story they're just like 
is this the woman's fault or the man's fault? The man's fault, we can sign the paperwork and everyone can leave here with their head held high. That's crackers. It is amazing. It John really the Bezzi, like reading all this, he is our anti-toxic masculinity king. I mean, he was there from the start. He is, he's a little angel. No. Um, <laughs> but considering this, we get to this, this is, we've come to the big question, Gareth. I mean, they seem to really love each other. You know, they stay, you know, throughout their lives, they stay friends. Why do you think marriage-wise, they weren't able to make it work? What do you think went wrong? I think, well, oh, well, we're going to deal with what goes on afterwards, aren't we? We're going to come to that. I think, genuinely, it was, if John Schofield hadn't appeared on the scene, honestly, I'm not sure any of this would have happened. So it was he, just because he was just as hot, that's it? It, him. It, it does seem to be that Hattie Jakes was completely infatuated by this man. We can just blame Scofie for this one. <sighs> is that is that fair? Was would this have happened Sometimes with another second hand? Do you card? think it's so because she's been bullied all the time because of her weight, her whole life, and then you know John Lamezzi, he's like really elegant and he's really sweet, but maybe he he never had that alpha animalistic passion. Yeah, and then this guy comes along and is like, "You're so harsh." Essentially, Cabu's all right, love, and she loved it. We all love it. <laughs> Nothing like a bit of rough, yeah. We've all seen the recent recent series of White Lotus. We know what that can do. <laughs> I, I, it's it is fascinating because the way that Hattie Jakes and John Messi get on for the rest of their lives, they are really obviously they've got two children and they get on with that. But when the children are grown up, you know they they are they really do seem to be best friends around each other's houses for Christmases and things Amazing. like that. They, it is it is and Joan Messier and. Hattie Jakes become really good friends, really like a really tight little group. And there are suggestions that maybe in later life Hattie wondered if things had all, if well, she'd have rather things had this, gone a different this way. This is very much, you know, like in Line of Duty where they do like, and what happened after? And you just think, mm. that's another series. Why yeah. are you just saying that? Well, this is very much a Line of Duty ending because John and Hattie. They get their divorce. Almost immediately, Hattie now finally has uh, John Schofield to herself. Almost immediately, he cheats on her. And then finally dumps her when she's in hospital. She's in hospital. He breaks up with her. And then apparently her friends say she never recovered. She never got she never got over it. She started eating more than ever. Her weight became so so, so much of an issue. She became uninsurable for film work so she couldn't wow. work because just her health was so bad and she sort of gave up on romantic relationships after that and just spent all her time with gay best friends who seemed to be constantly battling over who was Hattie's real best friend yeah meanwhile John marries Joan six months in she has an affair with his best friend Tony Hancock oh my god like genuinely can't catch a break I nearly picked uh, <laughs> Jonah Mezier and Tony Hancock as my choice. And the reason I didn't is because it's a much bleaker story. Oh, <laughs> and the reason why, and this is what's so crazy, poor John, poor John Mezier, the affair starts when they invite Tony Hancock to move in with them. So I just learned from your mistakes. That. I'm sorry. I have I no sympathy anymore now. I have no so sympathy. So he was really struggling with his alcoholism. Oh, so whatever. So for him. him. They move in. He moves in with Joan and John. No, John, once bitten, twice shy, mate. You, you, played, you made your own bed there. Sorry. So then he <laughs> forgives Joan for having the affair with his best friend because he's like, of course he's an amazing does. guy. I get it. Then she goes back to him 
And then she only really goes back to John Le Messier when Tony Hancock dies. Mm. Oh my god! And John's like cool. <laughs> he cares that much. John Le Messier is also at the point Tony Hancock dies remains a friend of Hancock's mm. while his he knows his wife is having an affair with Hancock. And then yeah, when Hancock dies, they. Wow. I don't think he has a lot of emotional stock in his romantic relationships, to be honest. Or is he just the the non-toxic king we are waiting for? That's not non-toxic. This is I just don't give a shit. There's a very big difference. <laughs> so <laughs> it's when non-toxic. You know how like it goes from like acidic, then to neutral, and then all the way down to yeah, alkaline. Yeah, this is alkaline. But alkaline can be just as dangerous. Just as dangerous. I wonder, exactly. I wonder if it's that. It's like you can become non-toxic to the point of problematic <laughs> yeah hattie apparently like her health declines but apparently on the sly during her later years was still meeting up Ooh. with john schofield for secret shags on the sly oh that's kind of she sad. still went back to him for those secret shags oh, that she no. died in 1980 of a heart attack aged just 58 yikes okay meanwhile john got back together with joan he dies in 1983. Apparently, his fa- his final words were, "It's all been rather lovely." Oh, God, this <laughs> guy. He also wrote a letter to the Times to tell people he'd died. He wrote like a little thing that said, "I'm." He said something like, "I've conked out." I haven't read it in yeah. years, but yeah, he writes like his own obituary and sends it to the Times. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So- Gareth, we come to the final question. Well, semi-final question. <laughs> in the great split between John Le Messier and Hashi Jakes, life is, is a spectrum, but some things are binary. Who thrived? Who simply survived? So, immediately afterwards, like you say, it's a bit of a disaster for, for everyone concerned. Especially because you get the impression at the end, after all this real chaos, you think, oh, it's actually going to be okay. Hattie's with John Schofield, John Lemessier's with Joan Lemessier. This is going to be yeah. okay. And then, like, within 12 months, it's just in every direction. It's turmoil. all going to shit. It, but the difference is John Lemessier and Joan Lemessier patch things up. John Lemessier writes his own autobiography, which puts all this stuff into perspective. Where He's very flattering about Hattie, isn't he? And he's very... Um, yeah. And, and all that sort of thing. And then... Whereas Hattie Jakes, she really struggles, and there's no doubt she doesn't quite get over what's happened. So I think, and also career-wise, am I right in saying that this is when he's going crazy with Dad's army? And yeah, yeah. Well, there's a story I've read about how Hattie Jakes sits and watches John Amesi win a BAFTA, and she's like with her kids, and John Amesi's done um, a Dennis Potter play, I think, and he wins a BAFTA, and Hattie Jakes is really thrilled for him because they're still very good friends but she has like a real oh this could have been we could have been there together and yeah there's like you do get the impression that she wonders if she made a mistake so it's 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 an incredibly sad story Uh, her her 1970s she's in psychs and like work-wise she remains she's she's working although i was shocked to read the, the carry on films wouldn't insure her. I was I I didn't That's realize crazy. that until quite recently that um her health. I just thought she stopped being in them because they'd got rubbish. So yeah, I think John Lemessier thrives and Hattie Jakes has a. It's a very sad story, but I think she has a 
rotten old time of it in the um in the years afterwards which is really that's sad what you get. sorry that's quite grim this is what <laughs> happens when you ditch the quiet nice guy for a hot cab driver <laughs> bad true. things happen well uh speaking of icons yep, okay definitely is one but there's so there's there another icon that's a close friend of the pod and uh she is indeed you know what's coming here i can just saw your nod you know what's coming so put your thinking cap on you know who we're talking about who do you think could match up to the one the only it's share right i know because i listen to this podcast so i know that you ask this this to everyone and the first time you asked the question which i think might have been on episode one straight away without blinking i just went well tom jones I didn't even flinch. It was just, it was and so... every time you've heard everyone ask it since, you've been like, guys, it's Tom Jones. It's Tom Jones. It's so obvious an answer yeah. that I'm, that first of all, it's age appropriate. Yeah. It is. So, great. Secondly, Tom Jones, as far as I'm aware, is currently single. Also, I read Tom Jones's autobiography for a job once, and it was one of those books where i went i've got to read this for work and it ended up being an absolute blast <laughs> it is brilliant and it made me really like tom jones as a person his autobiography was oh, fair enough yeah. that's what an autobiography is meant to do but i i think they're oh, a match made you can't go wrong with tom jones and I, even though we even though we've had him before we love him we, our favorites are we like i, I like a repeat because then we know yeah we know where we, we know where we're standing so a, a few rise to the top you yeah. know so but should share ever come to us and ask us who have you got we've got answers <laughs> and if she's like listen if, if she's listening to the podcast she's like oh hang on that's the second person saying yeah. i need to get mm. together with tom group think is gonna i should give him a fucking ring finally yeah, yeah. what Oh, they'd know each other, wouldn't they? They must have crossed paths in the past. Absolutely. Excellent choice. Um, Thank you so much. Gareth, thank you so much for being such an incredible guest and bringing along such a such. I feel like we went down a real walk down like like English memory lane, you know? I feel like I've just been in the 50s. I feel like I should start smoking cigarettes with no filters now, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I hope, uh, yeah. Very evocative. It's a very strange story. I hope we did it justice. But I think, think we if, I loved it. I learned a lot and I loved it. If we didn't, there's at least a film you can watch and go, oh, oh yeah, this was a bit like that. Well, screw the film. I'm, there's a um, This Is say, Your Life we can watch. Robert, <laughs> Robert Balfe playing John the Messier. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to watch all this. I've become a new fan. I'm in. Treat thank yourself. you so much, Karen. Where no, can our listeners thanks. find more of you? If you go to Twitter, I'm on Gareth Gwynn. And I only use uh, G-W-I-N-N, is how you spell that. And I only use Twitter when I've got something to promote. Uh, or you can listen to my podcast, The Zennial Dome. Which um, is incredible. Stuff. It's one of the best um, nostalgia podcasts for the true lost generation. Yeah. And that's the older millennials, really young Gen X. So yeah. if oh, you really want that's me. your nostalgia oh, fix. Born yeah. between 1977 and 1985. I was. That's there me. There we are. That's I'm slapping well, in the middle, 1980. You, you will find it. It's, it's the sort of thing where I can do, like, I can mention celeb dac and people will go, I yep. know what that is. <laughs> Whereas I feel like if I mention that to anyone outside that group, they wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, I love um, I love us cuspers, yeah. Oh, if you're if you're if you're born between nineteen seventy seven and nineteen eighty five <laughs> Download the Zennial Dome and just find kindred spirits. Oh, all... I will do. Yeah. I mean, Check there's, it a, out there's, on a, there's a bit Jeeves of and Netscape. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've had two guests now impersonate a modem on it. It's that sort of podcast. It's that vibe. Yeah, yeah it's that. I'm into it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gareth. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush, so email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The, the way, way they were. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.